0: Welcome to the seasoned athlete podcast, your home for stories, inspiration, and advice from athletes over 40. I'm your host, Robin Leggett. I'm a later in life athlete who became a roller derby skater in my thirties and a runner and obstacle racer in my forties. Now I'm an athletic aging coach who helps women over 40 experience the massive life benefits that come with exploring your athletic potential at any age and any fitness background. If that fires you up, keep listening. Let's do this. When you were writing your 2020 New Year's resolutions, did they include you running your first Spartan race or your first competitive Spartan race? If so, well, we all know how that went, right? 2020 may have been the year of postponing and setting aside big goals and milestones, but 2021... It's comeback time, and I want to help you hit the start line of your first Spartan race or your first competitive race feeling strong, confident, and ready to go. Join me for Start Line Strong, a movement-based masterclass that will take you from feeling overwhelmed and underprepared to on fire to finally run that race. This is a -a one-of-a-kind combination of workout and workshop made just for women over 40, in this free event, I'll give you the tools you need to ditch the fear and feel ready to sign up and show up for your first Spartan race or your first competitive race, all while getting an amazing all-levels workout in the process. Start Line Strong takes place on Saturday, May 22nd at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and is free to attend. To snag your free spot, go to robinleggett.com slash start. Amanda Thebe is a personal trainer, a nutrition coach, and a force of nature for women who are experiencing menopause hell and want to start feeling healthy and fit in their 40s and beyond. She's the author of the book, Menapocalypse: How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause and How You Can Too, an outspoken and honest guide to surviving and thriving during menopause. Amanda has both a hilarious but also no BS approach to busting myths around menopause and taking down those who seek to profit through spreading misinformation around the topic. By doing so, she's helping women everywhere understand, demystify, and live healthy, happy, and active lifestyles during this time that everyone who menstruates eventually experiences. If you are experiencing your own menopocalypse, sit back, relax, and enjoy this lively, fun, and oftentimes hilarious conversation with
1: Amanda Thee.
0: Hi, Amanda. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today?
1: yes I am
0: yay you are Amanda Thebe I'm so excited to have you here today you're a personal trainer with over 30 years of experience in the industry you specialize in helping women in their 40s who are experiencing menopause hell get healthy and fit and I know this is a hot 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 topic for our audience here at seasoned athlete you are the author of menopocalypse did I say it right Oh my God, I'm giving you a virtual pat on the back
1: as Yay. you say that, yeah. <laughs> This is
0: something, you know, as I was putting this interview together, something I was struggling over. Menopocalypse, monopoly, no, uh, men, menopocalypse. The more I say it, the more I'm going to say it right. You're the author of Menopocalypse, How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause and How You Can Too. So for our listeners who are going through their own menopocalypse, Amanda is here to help. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with by asking the question that I ask all my guests and that is what is your age at this moment in time
1: I am 50 I just turned 50 in October so I'm Yay! into my into my sixth decade now and um this is the one for me I think I always say that every big like decade this is my decade yeah, and I I'm said coming that, into my prime now everybody well I actually said that out loud for my 40 when I turned 40 and it just went Like a shitshaw from downhill, literally. (laughs) So it can't be any worse. Right.
0: And that's, I'm sure that's part of what led you to write your book, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was sort of a similar way. I had a meltdown at 30. Like I had, that was my biggest crisis was at 30 for some reason. And then at 40, I was much more accepting. But of course, like I'm 46 now. So I'm sure I, I feel like I'm entering the metapocalypse. And, you know, and that's the thing about menopause is you don't always know. No if it's happening, you're like, I'm sitting crying in a puddle on the floor. Is it because something made me upset or is it because perimenopause? You yeah. know, they just, these things start happening. You don't, you don't know. So, uh, so yeah, we're going to definitely get into that. But first I want to go back in time a little bit. I'd love to get a little background on you as an athlete and how your own experience influenced where, where you are today. So what did your early athletic life look like? Did you play sports growing up?
1: So I, am. Um talking to you from Houston, but I'm not a Texan. I don't know if you'd noticed. What? I-, I thought <laughs> I thought I heard a draw. Y'all. <laughs> I'm not a Texan, y'all. <laughs> but I um instead was brought up, I, I was born in the northeast of England. And now so where I am from in the northeast of England is one of those like small towns with not a lot to do. And so essentially when I was a teenager growing up and I had a lot of energy, I was either gonna get drunk or pregnant behind the back of the shops or my mom was going to put me in a spot, you know, to, to get me off the streets, because we used to just hang about on the streets, right. And um, so I started martial arts, and I started karate, I was actually 11. And I stopped doing that when I was 22, I think. So I got my downgrade in karate. And it was one of those activities that i just did and i used to go on a a monday wednesday friday and a sunday morning and i did it like flossing my teeth it didn't require any thinking i loved it i was probably one of only two girls in a club of 50 60 guys and they were they were like all my big brothers and i loved just loved going And um, I've never felt that type of issue with males in fitness because I think I've always been around them and they've always been been accepting of me. Anyway, and so... When I like, I ended up just moving away from that, just organically, you know, just, you just move away. um. And I went to work in a bank and then IBM, like that was my career. Corporate
0: life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Corporate life. I was still super into fitness. So I did my, um, first of all, my aerobics teachers instructor, then my step instructor, then my spin instructor, <laughs> and actually was one of the first people in the UK to, to teach Spin from the company Schwinn. We even toured all of Germany, like teaching it and stuff. So, but this was always as a hobby, you know. And um, so I, I did that. I did my personal training certification in the UK at Loughborough University when you had to do it as a diploma, like a two-year diploma. Now I think you can get it in a weekend. I, d- I don't know. And i it depends. Never... Yeah, it depends on the certification. How fast- Depends on the certification. It it's largely unregulated still. And I haven't even kept on top of continuing ed credits because it's been so long since I've done it. I've just continually kept myself educated. Like most personal trainers in the industry, you know, I've like specialized in so many things, pre and postnatal rehabilitation, um, pelvic floor rehabilitation, senior fitness, of them. I feel like I've got a really good handle on the human body and how it works, which is a really big um, surprise when I entered my 40s, which you said so far is so good. It was brilliant for me. I felt on top of my game, you know, healthy, and I felt like a good role model for the people that were following me. And then when I was about 42, I, you know, fell off the wagon, so to speak, and I didn't feel well and I didn't recognize myself and it was a big there was a big gap in my knowledge base as to know what was going on I didn't know why I was feeling different Mm -hmm. and then it was just really and at the time this is eight years ago there was no conversation about perimenopause I'd never even heard the word before it was like what (laughs) what What is that? Right. Yeah. And so,
0: you know, here you are like very knowledgeable on all these areas of fitness with massive experience. And then you found yourself stumped uh, Mm -hmm. when it came to what was happening with your own body in your forties. So, uh, you know, from there, you know, obviously there you've gotten to a point where it's like, this has become a major specialty for you. How did you, how did you get this information? How did you work through this? Like knowledge void
1: yeah like and so how do I go from being like a zero to like now being like hopefully a resource for women to come to that's like where I am and um, like you said I was in this void the symptoms I was experiencing were life-altering they weren't just like inconvenient I was getting really bad vertigo losing feeling in my my face, my arms, I was falling over, I was throwing up. It was, um, I was struggling with really bad depression. I didn't know that at the time. And so I then spent two years in the medical system in Canada where I was living at the time, which has brilliant healthcare. And I had really good healthcare specialists, neurologists, ear, nose and throat doctors, etc. And they all were like, yeah, there's clearly something wrong with you, but none of the tests come back with anything conclusive. I went to my annual checkup at my gynecologist and he sort of said, are you okay? Is everything all right? And then I burst into tears and said, no, it's not. (laughs) We've already mentioned the puddle on the floor. Yes. Yeah, the puddle on the floor. (laughs) I did the puddle on the floor. And he sort of like sat down, took a big breath and just said, listen, I see women like you 10 times a day. You're not alone. These symptoms are valid. You're actually struggling with migraines with aura. They're a very no, they're a completely non symptom of perimenopause. You likely have depression because that's another symptom of perimenopause, and I can help you. These are valid. Um, and I, it was a big relief for me. And that's when I said, "What the f is perimenopause?" I'd never heard of it before, and and he just said you know, I can support you through this. And it was just a big, I it was a relief. My husband was like, Oh, good. So you're not going to leave me then. Cause like literally my relationships had completely changed with my friends, my husband, my children, you know, I didn't recognize myself. I was in this terrible place where I was like, is this now my personality? Am I the person that takes the kids to school, sits on the sofa, And just stares into a void until it's time to pick them up again because I don't have any joy in me anymore and it was a really dark time for me um anyway so fast forward to where the book is now I then I then just wrote a blog post just complaining about the lack of knowledge in the medical community and how lost and invisible I felt for those two years and even then, how hard it was to find valid information because there's so much pseudoscience out there and misinformation. And then I started gathering experts around me, like medical doctors and psychologists and um, gynecologists and endocrinologist, anyone I could find. And I just got all of this information together and I just started writing and talking about it. And I think I was probably like one of the first voices out there that women were saying, oh, I've heard Amanda talking about her struggles through perimenopause. And honestly, that's where it all started. And then I got this body of work and it ended up being a book because Ultimately, at the end of the day, um, I wrote a book, not because I want to buy some desert island in the Caribbean, because that ain't going (laughs) to happen with the proceeds, but I wanted the book that I needed when I was 42. Right. I wanted to be able to pick up a book that wasn't heavy with medical text that confused me and made me feel lost, but that was relatable that women can pick up and go you know i hear myself in amanda's voice and that's nearly always the comment that comes back every time that's me yeah that's me because you know every women at this phase of their lives,
0: like I mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation, like we go through this stuff and we don't know what's happening and we don't have an answer for it. And it's like, if at least now, and thanks to uh, in part to people like you, you know, we can say, is it perimenopause? Is this thing I'm going through perimenopause? But it's still like, maybe, maybe not hard to say. And what you touched upon is that the symptomology is just so different for everybody where some people might get, hot flashes like we hear about hot flashes that's very very common we don't hear about clinical depression we don't hear about migraines with auras like we don't hear about vertigo we don't hear about that stuff as much so when women are going through something like that they may not realize as you went through that it's like this could be related to menopause and and you know you were going to ear nose and throat doctors who are not going to give you
1: the answer you needed at that time right And it's like you said, like there's so many myths out there and one of the myths and I actually held on to it myself was that, you know, and I think I used to say, oh, I can't wait for menopause because it's like, I won't have a period anymore. I don't want children anymore, any more children, I should say. Um, And um, and that's it. I might get a few hot flushes. And so, yes, I had no idea. That these were genuine symptoms that many people struggle, many women struggle with, and um, what we do know is that estrogen is defined medically as estrogen deficiency. So we know that our high levels of estrogen in from our like twenties, 30s, thirties 30s will decline to a very low threshold in a in a fluctuating manner that sort of resembles um, a roller coaster, right? It they fluctuate up and down, and it's um, estrogen is produced in the ovaries mainly it's also produced in some of the fat cells but their um, estrogen impacts almost every system in our body we have estrogen rece- receptors everywhere they cross the blood brain barrier they're in our joints They protect our heart our stomach everywhere they're everywhere so um those that know about menopause in the medical community are very aware that like the fact that I had depression, cognitive impairment, anxiety, brain fog, all of those things women really struggle with, usually before anything else. And they'll go to their doctor and say, I don't feel myself. Things aren't right. I've I've got anxiety. I can't remember things. So they'll be given antidepressants as a first line treatment, because that's the thing they're actually complaining about. Mm -hmm. And it also might be and it probably is a lack of knowledge from the medical community because they don't get any menopause management and um, education at all in medical school. Nothing. Right. There's a huge black hole in the medical community and it's, it's a disservice to women. Yeah.
0: And so but thankfully, you know, you and others in your in your community are looking to
1: change that, which is amazing and necessary <laughs> right now. And I think that it's like, has to be that way because I don't see that there especially in the United States, there's going to be a lot of movement from the top down. I think the movement has to be grassroots up. And I always say that Yeah, let, people like me who've got a, a decent sized platform are fairly vocal and are talking about it a lot, but and uh, Karen next door can go and speak to her, her friend Susan and have a chat and it starts the ripple and it starts the conversation. And the first time you say menopause, you want to cringe and you hate it and it feels awful. But the second time it's easier. And then the third time you don't even think about it. And so when we normalize the conversation and when we share it with our friends, it, it does start that ripple. It snowballs. And I think every woman of this generation needs to do that ready for the next generation coming. Yeah, and it's
0: promising that it's happening now and that that gives me hope for the next generation. But like yes. you said, you know, you have this platform, you're very accessible and you connect with people. I think, you know, the, the women that follow you, they they see themselves in you, you have a, you, you lead with a sense of humor, which I think is really important because this doesn't have to be, you know, a dour, serious topic. Um, you lead with a sense of humor, people connect with that, they share you with your friends, they have this conversation. And the fact that, that women are actually having this conversation is
1: massively important. And that's how the change is going to happen, like you said. Exactly. And yeah. I think humor isn't something I use to downplay anything. I think, humor for me is definitely a way of relieving stress of of humanizing a topic that and it's never disparaging when I talk it's always about you know like looking at the lighter side of things because if I didn't talk like that we'd never have the conversation because it's such a dry topic and you know I want to give women hope I want to give them like a laugh now and again I'm a you know I'm pretty no nonsense and forthright you know and I'm I have no problem calling out I call it the woo factor because <laughs> yes. I, I get a little bit tired of that, right? Mm. You know, and I feel like menopausal women are the new target. Yes. Without, without any doubt. Somebody just emailed me today and said, apparently these supplements are going to crack the code for menopause. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? That's it all was I had supplements to do. all
0: along. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's
0: talk about that a little bit because, you know, you talk about uh, busting through the woo that's out there and it's, it's a lot of, you know, snake oil type stuff that's being marketed to women to miraculously solve this problem that we're having. I'm going to even put air quotes around it. It is, it is a phase of our lives, but you know, and I think as women, we are also trained and conditioned to look for the quick fix and everything, you know, as a fitness trainer and coach, I'm sure that's something you have dealt with over time as well is like, to get the results you want. It's not about quick fixes. It's about the things you do every single day. Right. And so this is happening with menopause as well. Can you talk a little bit about some of the, you know, myths or the, the, the snake oil type things that are being pushed to women and
1: what the, what the truth of it is? Well, I mean, this is purely my opinion, but this is, here we go. And I have no problem. Here we go. I want to set you loose on this. Yeah. And I have no problem <laughs> dying on this hill because I do get really frustrated. So first of all, We know the supplement industry is non-regulated in the USA and in most countries as well. And so we don't know the efficacy or quality or bioavailability of the supplements we're taking. A lot of menopause targeted supplements contain herbs and tinctures that have been very poorly studied or not studied at all, um, usually in small, um, small trials. Um, And so they're marketed as the solution to menopause. And so I have a problem with that, because it's sort of not addressing the problem. So when you talk about menopause, we know it's a natural thing that's going to happen to most women. And some women, it happens in a more forced manner, if they've had cancer treatment or surgical um, hysterectomies, you know, they literally get thrown in, to menopause in the deep end. Um, and what happens is our estrogen and progesterone are going to decline and nothing is going to stop that happening. And that's my point. It doesn't matter how many supplements you take. It doesn't matter how many coaches call themselves hormone balancing coaches. You can't change the fact that your hormones are going to decline. You can't Introduce estrogen in food to stop that happening. The message is so confusing for women. I have women saying to me, somebody said to me, I have to eat three Q for, I can't even say this one, Q curve curve oh what the, how do you say cucumber i can't even say it just
0: I, <laughs> now i got now you got me confused
1: no no we're not going to cut this because we're going to get to it oh it's yeah okay cauliflower and broccoli yeah, so let's just say that <laughs> that was a total menopause moment let's keep it real ladies right so <laughs> that's right i can i can spell it i can't say it so um if they eat three portions of say broccoli cauliflower anything in in that family a day it will detox excess estrogen from their system if they eat more phytoestrogen, which we know is estrogen that's plant derived, right? Like say tofu, soybeans, if they eat more of those, they will balance out their estrogen. These are sort of terms that are super confusing for women. And I, I do have a nutritional training. So I am able to sort of like address them to a certain, I don't have, um, uh, I'm not a registered dietitian, but I can, I can totally like talk to this. And, and I would say to women, first of all, balancing the hormones is something that you actually sort of can't do Di- hormones are dynamic if you were to say take a blood test on the morning at nine o'clock and then take one an hour later at 10 o'clock they're going to be drastically different because of the nature of hormones dynamically fluctuating. we want them to do that and so this misleading notion that, that they can These hormone balancing coaches can either give them supplements or food to make this stop happening, or even to like ease the burden somewhat is a little bit disingenuous. But there are some food things that we do know for a fact that are helpful, but it doesn't mean to say that you're not going to get hot flashes or you're not going to get depression you know you could. It, it it's like it's like blaming somebody for getting cancer if they've eaten well all their life and exercised you right. just don't it know. can you, still happen it yeah. can still <laughs> happen that's my point mm. it, there's a huge genetic component that is that needs to be acknowledged and so and i think the reason i i harp on about this is because when women do all of the right things and still feel like crap they put blame on themselves and they shame themselves and these coaches and these supplements and all of these tinctures and powders, you name it, they're out there, make women feel less about themselves because they'll take them and they don't work. Yeah. So what's wrong with me? Why do I feel like this? And so, and so what I say to women is, if like you're doing everything you can do outside of like lifestyle things and you still don't feel well, how about we start looking at the medical options because there's valid medical options out there. If your quality of life is completely impacted by menopause, you do not need to suffer. You know, I always say, like, natural things that occur in our life are things like birth and death, and we don't need to suffer through any of those things, right? Menopause is a natural life occurrence, but we shouldn't have to suffer. And so I just want to say to women, like, look out for those red flags. If women are promising to do something, and especially when it's like a 21-day fixer for your hormones, or take these essential oils, rub them on your wrists every day, you know that was something that somebody sent me yesterday the essential oil natural remedy to menopause what what does that even mean <laughs> how <laughs> right? why
0: yeah but it's like it's these buzzwords that that yes. women who are going through menopause are craving it it there's a reason why it works and hearing hearing that someone's a hormone balancing coach it's like well that sounds official you know it's but it's deceptive
1: mm. and let's talk about that as well Robin because you and I both have probably the same type of training so we've oh, we Personal trainers and we know we can specialize in certain parts of that and on the other side we may be nutritionists as well we've maybe got a decent amount of nutritional training and we know that needs change through different times of our life say pregnancy and aging etc neither of those two types of qualification give us the the permission to talk about balancing hormones the only people that can do that are endocrinologists who actually go to medical school for 13 years and gynecologists to some degree because of the female sex hormones right so they're completely talking outside of their lane Mm -hmm. and even when I wrote the book like I write about what my experience is and what menopause is from the medical community and what the treatments are but I wrote those with um north american menopause society experts one of them is harvard educated like this isn't this is like verified by the medical community i i don't want to give medical advice to people because i'm it's unethical right and, me, and neither should these other coaches so i always am just a bit like put your spidey senses on you know and stop looking for the quick fixes because we know now that in menopause, when estrogen, when we lose estrogen, it impacts so much of our life that we need to start ticking boxes all over the place. We need to be moving more, exercising, eating well, Mm de-stressing, sleeping well, be nice to ourselves, all of those right. things, but all of those things consistently, all the time, for the rest of our life, you know. Yeah.
0: Which and and the interesting thing about that is these are the things we should be doing all along. These are the things that we should be doing prior to menopause. That so many women, because we are raised to put ourselves last in a lot of situations in life, taking care of everybody else before ourselves, that we are we are not. That's not a habit for us to take care of ourselves to get get sleep to prioritize sleep to prioritize rest to eat well so for many women in menopause it's like they're just learning this but when you the earlier you start the better with with these types of
1: behaviors you know that i love that because one of the phenomena that they call it in menopause is like the uh the we to me situation, mm-hmm. and um, and it's to do with the oxytocin levels of that hormone declines with estrogen, and so that nurturing, loving hormone that we get when we breastfeed our babies and things like that, it declines somewhat, and 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 they think there's a shift that happens because of that, that starts to make us actually prioritize ourselves, and I get I love the idea of menopausal women harnessing that, yeah. and you know it doesn't I don't think it's just um, with menopause I think it's with aging as well and just circumstances as well so you know a lot of midlife women have got family on either side of them you know we're in that squeeze generation we've got career issues we've got you know so many other pressures on us that all of a sudden if we don't fill our own bucket full of goodness that everything else goes to pot around us and so this um we to me phenomena is something that I personally struggled with but I've harnessed and I have no problem taking time out for myself you know doing some exercise sitting outside in the garden or just being by myself and just grounding myself and it sort of trickles into the rest of the family you know and everyone else around me
0: yeah yeah and you know on one hand as I mentioned like the earlier we can start going we to me the better but also like everything else in life it's never too late (laughs) It's never too late to prioritize yourself. Exactly. Exactly. um i want to talk about exercise in particular and in relation to menopause and you know things that you can do interventions that you can make because the the, the overarching kind of theme of this book is non medical interventions that you can take right to to manage menopause and and thrive during this time let's talk about exercise in particular since that is a major theme of this podcast what are some things that women can or should be doing to to
1: make the most of this time in their lives Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really good question. And it's sort of our bread and butter as well. And then the first thing I sort of talk about, about exercise in the book is that, you know, it's still not going to stop menopause happening, right? (laughs) It's not going to balance your hormones because that's not a thing. So let's just settle that now. Although it may have an influence on cortisol and insulin, but we know that anyway, but you see, so this is, this is always my like, please be really clear hormone balancing coaches. If you're going to call yourself that, what are you trying to talk about? So here's what we know, though. So we, as I said, um, estrogen influences so many different parts of our body, and um, and what we do know is that something called muscle protein synthesis is impacted by decline in estrogen. And for those listening that don't quite know what that is, it's the ability to build lean muscle from the protein that we, you know, like the process of eating protein, strength training, and being able to maintain and build lean muscle sarcopenia as we know robin happens in our like 30s and a couple of percent every year decades um sorry every decade um declines i think it's about they say between three and eight percent it changes on whatever study but we know that muscle loss happens because of aging and being sedentary accelerated somewhat through menopause so all of a sudden you need to start prioritizing preserving any muscle that you've got and maintaining it and trying to build more as you age because you sort of wanna protect yourself against injury. You wanna be bulletproof as we age, right? But in addition to that, what we also know is that estrogen is one of the building blocks of bone health. Now, post menopause, one in two women will break a bone, and of those women that break a bone, 40,000 women a year in the US will die as a complication of breaking their their, um, hip. Right, so we know that it's it's actually a a large killer of women, more in fact than kill all all women through breast cancer, It's it's a large proportion of the women. What we, can, what we know through strength training is strength training creates the stimulus for bone growth, right? So already we've got muscle pre- preservation, we've got um, bone health, we know it's good for our overall health markers, cardiovascular disease, um, diabetes, our insulin sensitivity will improve with strength training. So we have all of these other things that are super, super helpful for us. On a neurological standpoint, it can help with brain health, Women are more open to get being um, candidates for Alzheimer's. It can help with depression and anxiety. These are all studied. Um, I'm so glad that strength training has had all these studies behind it. Um, And then lastly, the last reason I love strength training for women so much is that there were two studies that came out last year, or maybe in the year before now, I can't remember, that showed that the vasomotor symptoms of menopause which are any that deal with the thermoregulatory side. So hot flashes, night sweats, cold flashes, because cold flashes are a thing too, can be improved by up to 70% with strength training. So if someone's main symptom is hot flashes, I'm like, get to the gym, darling, and start lifting heavy weights. weights." Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think what happens is, and I'm sure you see this as well, but if a woman is in the midst of perimenopause, she likely doesn't recognize herself. I know I didn't, right? She probably has lost some self-esteem and some confidence, right? She most definitely has lost belief in her athletic ability. That's something we see as well. And so the idea of then doing something brave and stepping out of her comfort zone and starting strength training, if it's never been done before, might feel overwhelming for them. And so I've literally made it my mission to open the door and say anyone can start at any time even if you're low energy there's things you can do that are going to improve your health improve your energy levels Um, and the benefits well I don't know that there's any risks personally because I just find that it's one of those things that only keeps on giving and when women start strength training their confidence and their self-esteem boom yep you take, can take on the world, right?
0: Yeah, when you can lift, when you can lift a heavy weight, and of course, you start wherever you are, and that's the key thing. Is like people see a barbell and they freak out if they've never yes. lifted one before, but you start where you are. You don't start there necessarily, but you, you know, you start where you are, and that's the amazing thing about human beings. And this continues as we age; is we have this unlimited p- capacity for growth. Potential and,
1: is there, right? But
0: potential is there, and so you just opening yourself up to it can bring massive rewards and as you mentioned you know obviously your physical strength and as you go through menopause and continuing to build your muscle at a time when normally muscle and bone health is declining Uh, but your confidence it's empowering Um, and that trickles out into all areas of your life and imagine being in this time you know of menopause where you actually feel the best about yourself feel better about yourself than you ever have like that is
1: all possible that's that's what gets me fired up (laughs) it does it does and so i sort of really put an emphasis on that in the book because i want women to feel like because you and i know what that feels like and it's almost like a gift we want to give other women and i i always say you know the especially in the pandemic we're all working out at home right and so there's everyone's a beginner at some stage and in fact being a beginner in strength training it's probably a benefit because you see the biggest growth so quickly because Because I'm like stuck. I've been doing this for years. Nothing's changing for me, you know. And um, But I have had some hiccups. I had a hiccup with perimenopause that saw me have to pull back. And then I had a hiccup because I got COVID last year. And I was a long hauler and I couldn't do anything. And so I I felt like I was starting at the beginning. So I I sort of get the, the fear and I get the frustration that comes with it. But well, I, I, I just think that if I could, and in my book, I have a 12 week program as well. And I think it's just one that I think anyone can do Yeah. You know, at any level. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to talk about COVID for a second. This, this is an excellent segue.
1: I know. Um, <laughs> really set me I've, up done this,
0: I've done this before. This ain't my first rodeo. not your first <laughs> rodeo. So uh, you mentioned that you were a COVID long hauler and that you had to change up. fitness around that uh can can you
1: speak to that what what you had to do and how things changed for you oh it sucked right so like i am a rule follower i'm not a naughty girl i have no vices i'm one of these people that just is does things properly and when the schools closed last march break I was the one that was going to the supermarket and, you know, doing all the errands while my two boys, my husband stayed at home. And I think I got it from the local supermarket. Nobody was wearing masks at the time. And it potentially somebody coughed in my face or something. I don't know, but I got COVID. I didn't feel great. And at the time there was no testing. And so I had to go to the hospital. They confirmed it was COVID, but said, I wasn't sick enough to stay thankfully. Mm. And I went home to recover. And so I, had a moderate dose, I would say, like I, it felt horrible, but not too bad. And then when I felt like I was turning a corner, as soon as I started to do anything, I just kept getting knocked back. And then that's when I started struggling with like chronic fatigue. I would sleep for days, shortness of breath, really bad headaches. And I had like hot flashes for the first time in my life, but they, I didn't think they were to do with perimenopause, more likely to do with the COVID because when I have spoke to other long haulers that's one of the symptoms they get too mm. um, and anyway so it was nearly four months before I started to turn a corner wow essentially it was probably like chronic um um like what they call it like post-viral syndrome because other viruses that get into people's system can take months to get rid of right so my doctor was like there's not a lot you can do your body's responding and fighting you've just got to be kind to it so what happened is I started to have to work within an energy envelope and I love this term and I found it from the National Health Service in the UK who had uh, an article on chronic fatigue um, because we know chronic fatigue syndrome is is a, a terrible thing that people struggle with and in perimenopause lots of women um, estrogen completely impacts our energy levels and so lots of women have chronic fatigue and so the um working within an energy envelope was essentially like I'd go okay I'm going to go for a 20 minute walk today because that's what I feel like I can do but then pulling back and saying actually you know you're only going to do 10 always working within it never trying to push past the envelope which for somebody like me was got to be hard an, gotta gotta be really hard but the thing is anytime I did push through that envelope I would get sent reeling back for days and it was so demoralizing I would be in tears and I just thought god this is it now have I I got like permanent damage is like am I always I went back to the perimenopause right is this my new life all of those things and then you know I got clearance from um a pulmonologist that said there was no heart or lung damage and that I had some residual stuff happening but that I could you know that I was going to be fine and it sort of sparked something in me and what happened is um, I live in Houston and in the summer it's 100% humidity and literally 100 degrees and so I was going for walks and I couldn't breathe so instead the outdoor pool was open at my local club and it was always empty So I just started doing breaststroke up and down because the cool water and the breathing really helped me. And as well, I was doing lots of breathing techniques as well, just to try and get my lungs to work again. And while I was there, I was like swimming up and down. And I thought to myself, I'm gonna be 50 this year and I still can't swim. And by I can't swim, I mean, I'm not gonna drown, but I can't do like you see the Olympians doing front crawl or freestyle up and down. And I was like, I always wanted to be able to do it and my husband is a swam for scotland like he's a brilliant swimmer he tried to teach me and he's like you just you're just not teachable and i'm like i'm an i'm an athletic person i should be able to swim so i decided to teach myself and so i went i tried for over a six week period i just forgot about getting better with covid and just used to go to the pool every day and just do a little bit more and a little bit more and by the end of six weeks i was doing 100 laps and I can swim now. And so I taught myself to swim. And it was literally the one of the proudest things I've ever done because I, I was in the mindset of, this is me, this is my new sickness. And then i overcame that and then i also learned a new skill and that's sort of the point of me telling the story it isn't like just to pat myself on the back even though i do like patting myself on the back about that <laughs> well, you deserve it's, the, it. I, it's the importance of learning a new skill as we get older like it was i used to plan my workouts and i'd in the water and i'd have the different skills that i was going to drills and stuff i was going to practice every time i went And it was a real cerebral process for me as well. And we know how important that is for the brain health of menopausal women. And so like it gave me like a a new lease of life. And I did still take a few months after that for me to feel normal again. And I'm completely recovered now and I'm starting to get really strong again. And I I love that feeling. Um, But I sort of want to sort of like hold on to that look, I did something new, and so can you. And you're going to feel so good when you do a new skill, whether it's like learning to knit or painting or doing the crossword every day, like or, you know, learning a language, these are really helpful skills that are going to, you know, improve your overall health and your brain health, right? Yeah. And when you can
0: tie it into something physical, and that's,
1: that's really like, that's the magic
0: right there is when you can tie your fitness in with something that's mentally engaging. Um, I know that's what moves me. That's what got that's what got me into fitness in the first place. I wasn't into fitness at all until I was able to tie it in with a sport where I was constantly mentally challenged at the same time as being physically challenged. And that kept me showing up for myself every single time. And that's still what drives me to this day. Um, and so that's a really unique, you know, way to look at. I like that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. A way to look at something that you're doing for your physical health is that it, it, you are learning which lights you up it's engaging and it
1: keeps you pushing forward um so yeah uh, and, and that's why strength training can be uh, one of those skills because it's very technical as in i mean the exercises can be very basic and simple but you've got to pay attention to your body you've got to make sure you've got enough tension and that you're supporting your core and your spine and there's so many like little nuances that once you start you can think oh how can i improve this how can I make this harder where can I go from here and so I think that like doing strength training is a great like seg like another segue for to improve a woman's health from the neurological standpoint as well and accountability can be one of the hardest things though that's the thing I hear from women is I can't motivate myself I've lost my mojo And so um, that's when I like use different skills to get you into that. Make yourself accountable by buddying up with somebody. Do a group fitness class. Schedule it. Put it into your day make it like a priority like like it is other like other things in your life right yeah yeah Yeah. I talk about scheduling
0: in that way it's like schedule it like you would schedule a meeting
1: you know you wouldn't
0: you wouldn't move a meeting off your schedule because you ran out of time like treat it treat it just as important as it's just as important as any other obligation in your day or any other thing you have to do and You'll find it's like, this is the thing you want to do when you, when you start prioritizing, then you'll start realizing it's like, yeah, I would
1: rather strength train and go to that meeting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll ditch <laughs> And then, oh, during the meeting, you start squatting. I mean, I've planked the whole way through this podcast. No, I'm just I mean, yeah, (laughs) the the magic of Zoom. (laughs) Very impressive. Uh, (laughs) Another thing that I think I found helpful and that I've shared with a lot of people is that I sort of started doing fitness snacking because I worked with my energy levels. And so um, I just was like, you know what? I don't have a lot to give today, but I'll do 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I maybe picked two Exercises and did them back to back, and one might be a weighted exercise and one might be a bodyweight exercise. And I just tried to see what I could do within that 10 minutes because it all counts, right? Yes, and that repetition and even those small bits I'm just like, count your wins, make sure you find those little wins every day.
0: Yeah, and you know what? You do that 10 minutes, you're going to feel better than if you hadn't. Like, it, like you said, it all counts. And I think a lot of people, it's they they have this assumption that a workout has to be a certain length, it does not you can do little bits wherever you can, however it fits into your life. And you know what, you're going to feel better than if you hadn't done it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, you told me, what do you have on the stove? Cur- <laughs> so I've made a, curry. Uh, just before this one, I'd actually gone swimming with my son, who was a really good swimmer. Not, not, I'm trying to keep up with him. And then I put the curry on, I'm making chicken curry, um, the Brits like their curries and, um, it should, it, it's probably ready right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we will, we will wrap it up so you can, I don't want you to burn your dinner. Uh, but, uh, first of all, how can people learn more about you
1: and snag that book? Menapocalypse, Menapocalypse. You can find me at amandathebe.com. It's super simple. If you go there, it sends you to my YouTube channel, my Instagram, my Facebook, it's all there and you can buy the book there too. So Yes. Um, and you should, you should buy the book there. I hope you like it. I mean, it's doing really well. It's a bestseller in the menopause category, whatever that means on Amazon. are <laughs> like, how many books are in it? But that's okay. It we'll doesn't, be a matter. doesn't matter. But I think the, the reason I think it's doing well is because it's one of the few books out there that actually looks at the fitness and nutrition side of it as well. And I think that that is really helpful as part of the conversation.
0: Yeah. And it's not dry. Like no, you know, like if there's any way you want to describe it's a it, a little it's bit like, naughty actually. A little, bit naughty. A little bit naughty is that you A little what you bit said? naughty, oh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So oh, yeah, no, you're like you connecting with with women at the level w- that we want to connect on. So, so yeah, that's that makes me want to read it right there and then. Um, so uh, get the book, Metapocalypse. I'm just gonna keep saying it so I can make sure I say it right. Um, and uh, I always like to leave with. My final question is this, if you had one parting piece of wisdom to offer our listeners today, what would that be?
1: Um, I would say to women, because if we're talking about perimenopause specifically, is that you know it's a really challenging experience for a lot of women. 80% of women report having life altering symptoms. Um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel when you go through menopause, and I want women to harness the power that menopause gives them because even though it's hard women can do hard things we continually do hard things um and know that like it's almost a gift when you get to the other side because you're so epically empowered after going through all of that shit you can literally take on the world yes <laughs> I love that. yeah so it is not something to be avoided it is
0: something to you know Embrace-ish. embrace. Yeah. Take, take, embrace, I know I was like reluctant
1: to say the word, but like, yeah. just take it on. Just like, you know, don't be afraid of it. Take it on with knowledge. And then, because when you have knowledge, you get to make the choices.
0: Yeah. Knowledge is power right there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amanda, thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks for Robin. Being, I've loved that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Um, it's a topic that's, that's epically important. And I'm, I'm just, so grateful and happy that you've been here to to really help empower women during this time in our lives. So thank and you same so with much. you.
1: You yes. keep doing what you're doing too. I it's will. awesome. I'm telling you, women, women over 40, they're the ones, they're the women to be. Like I just think like when I look now at the people who I admire, they're the, women, women over 40 are the ones. And so show up there's a movement happening and I'm yes
0: I'm so happy to be a part of it uh because it's important and I and it's you know it's a traditionally overlooked demographic and uh, not
1: anymore
0: we're breaking a few ceilings breaking yeah. a few ceilings no longer forgotten we've got you so thank you again for for doing your part in that thank you If you've been wanting to run a Spartan race for, like, ever now or level up to your first competitive race, I've got good news for you. Races are back on the calendar, and I want to help you make this goal happen. Join me on Saturday, May 22nd for Start Line Strong a movement-based masterclass that will take you from feeling overwhelmed and underprepared to on fire to run your first Spartan race or your first competitive race. Part workout, part workshop, Startline Strong will give you the tools you need to ditch the fear and feel ready to sign up and show up for your first Spartan race or your first competitive race, all while getting an amazing all-levels workout in the process. Start Line Strong takes place on Saturday, May 22nd at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and it's free to attend. Reserve your spot now at robinleggett.com start.